We all want to be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I'm your host and coach, Brittany King, and I have a very, very special guest with me today, Rachel White. Welcome to the show. I am like jumping out of my seat with excitement because there are so many things that I'm excited to talk to you about. I'm just so glad that you're here and you took the time to be on the show. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Love talking about this stuff. So it's just interesting. Like when certain things come through my inbox, like I get, I get a lot of requests for interviews and not, not everyone like jumps out to me, but yours came through. And maybe it's because I love tarot cards. Like I am definitely a tarot card junkie. I don't know what it was, but it like came through and I wasn't even sitting at my computer and I clicked on it. And I just was like, Oh my gosh. Like I felt honored that you wanted to be on my show because to even have the opportunity to speak to someone that has such this extensive background just got me like geeking out on all of the possibilities of, of this, of this episode. So I can't wait to dive in, but before we do, why don't you give a little introduction of who you are and what you're doing in this world? Cause it's incredible. Well, thank you. I'm geeking out a little bit too. And the other thing is I do geek out about everything I do, which is why I do it. I think if you find something you can really latch onto that gives you energy that you feel like you're always digging deeper and learning, it's an easier business model to sustain than something you inherently hate. I know that seems obvious, but it it took me a long time to get here. Yeah. Um, So I'm Rachel White. I have a spiritual practice called Totem Readings. Um, We named it that sort of it's a pun, but not the idea being, you know, you could find your totem, totem animals, but also you build a totem pole from the bottom to the top. And that's really the way my practice is structured. So I work one-on-one with clients in a myriad of like coaching structures. So like ad hoc versus long-term immersive. And I see clients one-on-one for tarot readings, all kinds of services, mediumship, energy work, et cetera. Um, right now we're making flower essences. So you can see that they can't see that it's what's behind me. And I've recently last year self-published a tarot deck on Amazon. So always trying to make stuff in the words of Elon Musk, if nobody makes stuff, there'll be no stuff. So I try and use that as the mantra. (laughs) This is, this is true. Yeah. Well, you are making stuff and it's like the tangible stuff, but you're also making the intangible stuff. And I think what made me very excited about this episode is really what stood out was like spirituality, but also being skeptical of spirituality. And right before, I mean, we were jamming out on a bunch of stuff before we hit record, but there is a shift like spirit is coming through. There is this big paradigm shift that's happening, whether you like it or not. And I think it's important to talk about of spirit and talk about spirituality in this way. So it doesn't feel so uncomfortable. Like I know when it's something is unseen or unknown, it can feel a little bit scary for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, but I really want to like bring this conversation to light and kind of normalize talking about spirituality and not being yeah. something that we like, don't talk about. So I want to start with like the science behind the woo. Cause I am very woo woo. And anyone that knows me knows that like, I talk about the universe. Like I talk about, like, I just am all, that's just who I am. And I, I have 
stepped more into it and have owned it more. I don't think that I always did. I think I felt a little bit like scared to share those parts of myself, but now I just own it because it works for me and magical, amazing things have happened in my life that I cannot explain other than leaning into spirit. So I want to start there. Like, let's talk about the science behind the woo, like how, like this magic that we don't understand, like can work for us. Yeah. So like you, I, it took me a long time to step into my woo. I was even a secret shaman. I was fully in the closet because I was <laughs> high, high up in corporate outsourcing. And I, I had people working with me at, you know, C-suite level would be like, listen, I kind of believe in that stuff. And I think it's cool. You're doing it for your career. Don't ever mention that to anyone. Like this wasn't implied. It was explicit. Like it was stated outright and it wasn't subtle. Um, and you know, so that's been a whole transitional process, but before that corporate moment of transitioning to being a shaman full-time, which I'm still getting comfortable saying that at dinner parties, people are like, what are you doing? Like, screw it. You know, this sounds so stupid. I sound like one of those people who lives in an airstream and makes my own toothpaste. Like I know how this reads, but um, what, what brought me to shamanism, you know, I used to be an atheist. I was in Jesuit Catholic school my whole life. My running joke is that'll do it to you. You want your kid to grow up an atheist, put them in full-time Catholic school with daily mass. A thousand percent. My husband told side note, he went to Catholic school and in his religion class, they asked him like, you know, what, what his practice was. And he goes, I'm just regular. Like that was his response. (laughs) Well, and I think even as a kid, you know, it was my skepticism that turned me to atheism for a while because I'd ask questions and things didn't make sense. And there was cognitive dissonance. There was hypocrisy. So if you have a lot of cognitive, rational thinking capability, like religion, at least as we know it now, is going to be tough. It's a tough sell for us. Mm -hmm. So I was an atheist. I was pretty smug about it. Like it was like, no, this makes sense. And everybody who goes to church or all this stuff, it's really just, they're telling themselves fairy tales. It's about social control. Like I had everything figured out. Like someone in their early twenties generally has a bunch of stuff figured out and they know nothing. Right. And then I had um, an experience that was during waking hours. This was not a dream. It wasn't a trance state. It was observed by other people. It was dramatic. There were physical outcomes of the event. And then there were some other things I learned about my neighbor in my apartment building at the time that correlated and confirmed what was experienced. And for lack of a better term, it was like a straight up horror movie demon moment. And I was so stunned by it. And I was thinking, I had this really interesting moment where I go, that happened. Other people saw it, like we talked about it. I took photos, there was physical evidence of it in my home. And I said, if I, I don't want to be like those really religious people, I kind of judge in the sense of like, now is not a time for being dogmatic and dismissing this new data that came in. I have to address it. And that's what really kickstarted a return. You know, I read tarot cards as a very young child to return to these woo things. And as I re-entered that world, everything I learned had like a root in actual science in, in pragmatic things that that makes sense. One of them that I, I love sharing with people is Silicon Valley is named that after silicon crystals. And that and quartz are what, what power your computer, a Pentium quartz processor is made out of quartz crystal. What does quartz crystal do? It stores, transmits data. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing? You know, I keep one on my desk when we hold a clear quartz crystal. It's, we're a biocomputer. There are people, you know, there's a guy named John C. Lilly worked at Stanford, worked for the federal government. 
and did experiments proving that we are, quote, a human biocomputer. Mm -hmm. So these are fields where people have invested hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. Are governments investing in programs with psychics? There's stuff to all of this. And the other thing that you mentioned, the woo just works for you. The proof is in the pudding. Mm -hmm. So with my clients, especially my coaching clients, I go, okay, so you met the spirit guide. We had this, you know, event happen. Now we're going to run an experiment. It's not formal. It's anecdotal. It's experiential as spirit is, but they'll get proof and results and they go, oh my God, this is actually real. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I always tell them, don't ever let go of that skeptical part though. Because as you know, the field, personal development, spiritual, you know, energy healers, all of it. It's a lot of people who buy their own BS and you don't want to go down that path either. So, you know, every time I go into a client session, there's a little moment of like, oh my God, am I going to have it? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. am I going to be able to talk to dead people? I always do, but I think it's actually a sign of mental health that I'm like, wait, what's going on? Is this really my life? Yeah. It's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I'm so curious about the story that like the moment that it was nice. That- tell me what happened. Yeah, I'll tell you. Like, it's, it's interesting. So I don't dwell on the dark, but I also acknowledge that it exists. I view spirit as an ecosystem, just like our, our material ecosystem, mm-hmm. predators, prey, parasites, like there's stuff, right. That oh, we don't totally. see. Yeah. Um, so I was living in kind of a, a cheap apartment building in the middle of Lincoln park in Chicago, right across the street from the Lincoln park zoo. And I didn't know it at the time. But there was one evening where I just, I really noticed I started to feel uncomfortable when I came home and kind of this subconscious thing of like, you're checking the front door a lot. Like, is it like, like just feeling something's unsettled. And I remember the first night wanting to go to bed with my light on for the first time since childhood. And Mm -hmm. and like, this is weird that I feel a little uncomfortable. I didn't know my neighbor right next door, who was native American as I am in part, he was full, was dying of alcoholism. I had no idea. So second night, it's a little more intense. It's so uncomfortable that I call my mom, you know, in my early twenties. And I'm like, I just, it's something weird in here. I did not feel right. That evening, apparently he had passed away by the way. And it, it just felt really palpable. The next night I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Like what is going on? Sitting up in bed and watching TV and like called people for it for as late as it was like polite, right? Like after midnight calling someone on the phone is inappropriate. And I see this face of like a very attractive man sort of next to me, almost as though someone's kneeling beside the bed. The next thing I know, it felt like something was in my mouth. And then it felt like it was in my throat. And I tried speaking and the voice sounded like someone who's possessed in a movie. I'll never, like when I heard it, I'm like, that's not my voice and that's not a human voice. And I don't know if it was just because it was a psalm culpar, it helped me focus my will but I started to say a Hail Mary again, still not Catholic, but thank you. Right. Like this one worked Mm -hmm. like, you know, any mantra, any prayer, anything like sacred geometry, you're saying words over and over again. I think there's something to that. Mm -hmm. And I felt it expel out of my mouth. My voice returned to normal. And when I looked around every cabinet door, every closet door, every drawer in my apartment was wide open as full as it could go at a perfect 90 degree angle. So I took pictures of everything. I had a digital camera. That was back before I had like a Razor T-Mobile phone <laughs> and like a real <laughs> camera that it cost a lot of money, took pictures. So the next day I see a bunch of people in the hallway and his wife was there and I was like, what's, what's going on? You guys have an apprentice? She goes, oh no, he's been dead a few days and everybody's coming to look at his body. And I started, God bless her, 
no compassion because I just freaked out. I was like, you can't do that because I'm immediately linking it to what I experienced the night before. And I was like, you got to get the body out. And I went in my, my apartment called 911. I was like, there is a goddamn body, you know? And so everything lined up with that event. And then I really thought about it. And as I've done work, shamanic studies, energy work, I, it occurred to me, this man had, you know, what we would call a disease of despair and died a death of despair. That's a real sociological, psychological term. Um, was there a parasite attached to him? And it left and it came looking mm -hmm. for another host. Needed I mean, the timing host. is just too weird, too weird. And all the other neighbors had weird things happen. We all sort of openly talked about it. These are, you know, you're in the middle of the city of Chicago. These are not all woo people. We didn't know each other that well. It's not like a close community. It really isn't. And so for all of us to be that open about all of that, it, it really hit home for me. And even though that was a quote negative experience, it opened up a whole other world to me. We're like, okay, there's bad guys. There's gotta be good guys then too, because this was fairly literal maybe ancient peoples who wrote these things, drew these things on cave walls, maybe they did that because they experienced it. Like we're always trying to explain it in these anthropological terms. Mm -hmm. But what if it's literal? Mm -hmm. And that was mind blowing. And it's also very Occam's razor. It's very scientific method to go. Maybe, maybe they did it because they saw it. I that is a wild story. So this, that experience shifted you. Like completely, it opened you up to this whole world. So let's talk a little bit about what a shaman is. Like we, we you know, yeah. people hear this word, but like, tell me about like being a shamanic practice practitioner, like what, yeah. how this led you down that path. So a lot of people have a lot of ideas, including other shamans have a very different idea than me. I go very old school textbook. The word shaman means wounded healer. So, uh -huh. you know, I do Reiki, I do all these other things, right? but I don't consider myself a Reiki person. I consider myself a shaman. Um, energy becomes very physical for me. So I get a lot of shamanic illnesses after big breakthroughs, big moments where I'm integrating or processing something. In my case, it's usually kidney stones. It's super fun. By the way, I just do them at home now. I don't go to the hospital. I'm like I have THC and CBD in this house. I'm gonna get through this just fine. I do self Reiki. But um, I would say the big difference is we're not group people. And a lot of our work is um, what I guess, you know, someone would call psychopompic, meaning we enter altered states of consciousness, other planes or dimensions of existence to do work for our clients. Mm -hmm. We're like a broker. So my client has spirit guides. I have spirit guides. I'm an intermediary for them. And while I do healing work, energy work, all these other things, my main focus is on really giving clients their own, what I call spiritual data. That seems to be my sweet spot, hence tarot cards. It's a diagnostic tool, like an x-ray. Like, let's take a look. Let's look under the, the hood and see what's going on in the engine kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find that like pure Reiki practitioners are, are generally more communal group people. You know, healers of all stripes tend to get together a little bit more. Shamans, you'll, you know, my friends are always frustrated. I don't really watch the news. I have no idea what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I mentioned to you, the joke is I'm the Mr. Magoo of mm -hmm. shamanism because we just kind of do our own thing, but it's that unique perspective, you know, almost like someone has to leave where the tribe lives, go out to the borderlands and then come back with something different. Yeah. Whereas if I was super stitched in, I don't know that I would get those value add pieces. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, and that makes so much sense because if you're constantly consuming what's going on yeah. in the world, like within the news that can, like, I mean, talk about like 
parasite like that, like, oh yes, latches. And I, I can feel that, um, a lot. Like I also choose not to, but when I do consume, I have to be so careful of like the entities that I'm feeling like that are like, feel like they're eating me up from the inside out. Well, they, they get food from negative energies and emotions. Yeah. Like the vibration. Yeah. They really latch on to that, which makes me look back on that, that story, that time in my life I shared with you. I'm like, what was going on with me? Was I a little sleep deprived? Was I depressed? Was I anxious? Like what was going on with me where I was a little vulnerable? Right. Um, but yeah, and social media for me is the biggest drain. I avoided it as long as I possibly could without being irresponsible about my business and my practice. <laughs> right. So now I'm on it. I'm trying to make it work for me, but I'll tell you after I do, I do a Tuesday night live every week. Next week is going to be Scout, by the way, who's handling my podcast story. She's great. I get right in a salt bath, almost like I'm at the CDC and, you know, they spray that suit down. Yeah. I treat it like I'm leaving a radiation area and it's not, my clients are not the problem. They're wonderful. I love the conversations. It's just the vibe and being native American, you know, the the white settlers made fun of the Indians as they called them because they would say, you can't take my picture. If you take my picture, you steal a part of my soul. Mm -hmm. And they viewed that as a really like silly belief or, you know, pagan, whatever you want to call it, simple. And now that we're in this era of everybody's on screen for everything all the time, Mm -hmm. it makes you wonder, like they knew something. They knew something. People have access to your image. They can put cords into you. You know, it's draining. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more because it is true when you check in with how you feel after you use a tool like social media, like I always like, do I feel energized? Am I like, yeah, ready to go? Or do I feel low energy? And 90% 90% of the time, if not all hundred percent, it is that low frequency. Yeah. So let's talk about how to stay in a high frequency, you know, obviously yeah. like being, being a human being like, or like having a spiritual experience, right? Like we're spiritual being having a human experience, right? Like that's, that's what we're on this earth to mm-hmm. do. It's a dance because that's the whole point of it. But how do you maintain a higher frequency? So those entities, those parasites don't infiltrate your, your energetic field. Well, fun fact, by the way, ever since I started studying, reading, immersing myself in the work, doing psychic work with clients, I've never had one encounter with a negative entity. Mm -hmm. So I will tell you that education I think is empowering. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole weird thing in the spiritual woo community where they're like, well, if you don't acknowledge it and you don't read about it, you won't manifest it. I'm like, no, I think it's the opposite. I think education is key. Like I live in Austin. Now, if I go for a hike, there's rattlesnakes. It's good to know that they come out after rain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to get bit by a rattlesnake. Um, And the other thing I would say just in general with keeping a high vibration is this is another thing. Shamans are different in this aspect. We look at the negative but we always assume there's a reason for it. And it's a lot of trying to transmute poison into medicine, pain into catharsis, and really looking at stuff, painful truths, difficult you know, facts, and integrating that and going through it as much as possible. Um, I do think when we avoid or we deny reality, which, you know, so this is back to skepticism when it's like, no, it's all, you know, fairies mm-hmm. and rainbows, that's when problems crop up and quite unexpectedly. Um, it's also like a lot of this work is common sense. So good health, overall good wellness. You know, I have a tendency to work too much. I'm very dominant in my second chakra. I do and do and do. And I never get the memo that I'm tired until it's like 
too late and I'm a cranky toddler. Like it's like I'm overtired and I have to be put to bed by an adult. So making sure I schedule wellness time in every day, not a lot, but enough. It just brings your awareness back to it. I mm-hmm. eat well. I take care of myself. I've never been someone who goes out to drink and party. I have a glass of wine here. I just chill out a lot. Um, and then the biggest thing for me, I think, is sleep. I know that sounds so stupid and simple. It's, but it is so simple. But it's like it is the like sleep is everything. If you're not sleeping, you are so out of balance. You are so vulnerable. Look at look at negative energy the same way you look at illness, totally. right? It's just as invisible to the naked eye. And you know, if you're not eating properly and you're not sleeping and you don't have boundaries, you're going to get sick. It's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I would say to people is just listen to your intuition. It's really there for a reason. So mm-hmm. you're in a situation and you don't know why you can't find a rational reason, but you're uncomfortable. Just if you can leave, if mm-hmm. even if you have a client who, when they come, you just find yourself getting agitated and all this stuff and you don't understand it. Rule of thumb, you don't have to be rude or hostile, but you know, your practice, your business, your home workspace, they're yours. You're allowed to create boundaries, even if it seems arbitrary at the time, you'll usually understand it after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, I was uh, really in awe. Have you seen the vow on HBO about Nexium, that mm-hmm. cult? Mm-hmm. So it's an incredible story. It, by the way, it's a coaching program, personal development program. So anybody oh, who's out I there want, in this space, I want to watch, watch it. I'm going to watch it. Turned into a sex cult. And they were talking about they had past lives as Nazis. It was a whole thing. It always goes that direction. But the woman who really at a high level woke up first in this group that the documentary follows, she reads tarot cards. And she just kept saying like her gut, her her viscer, her name's Bonnie Peace. She's an American hero. Well, actually, she's Australian. She's here now, though. But she wouldn't let go of this just feeling of it's not right. I don't know why something's off. And her husband was the board of directors, super close with the the leader. And she managed to kind of over time extract him. And what it comes down to is she couldn't shake the feeling something bad was happening. Mm. And she was right. And she saved a lot of people, a lot of hardship because she just rolled with it. And I'm convinced it's because she built up an intuitive muscle. Well, in advance of that, she has a spiritual practice. It's called Up Soul and Sky. I'm sure she's busy because she's in a what is it? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right now she's an actress. So she's probably doing press tour. Not sure she's doing readings, but that's a real case study of it working. Intuition. Go with your gut. Well, and I have a follow-up question for that because I'm very, like, I'm a very intuitive person and I believe in that so deeply. Like there are so many times that I've trusted my intuition and it's been right on the dot, right on the nose. But how do you know the difference between fear yeah. and intuition? Because sometimes like when I'm like, is this fear speaking? Like something doesn't feel right. Like, is this, is this like repressed anxiety, whatever, you know, from the past, or is it actually my intuition? Yeah. It's different for everybody, Um, but you can really tune into it. So this is one of the key first things we do in the coaching program is what are our intuitive channels of communication? You know, does it hit our body? Where in our body? Does it come to us through symbolic messages? Like what's the language we have with our own intuition, our own energy body? For me, what I've noticed, cause you know, I journal a lot. I think keeping notes on this stuff so you can go back and reference and find patterns and find proof and results is super crucial. Um, when I'm around someone that's you know, got a really negative energy and things tend to flame out for them and the people around them shortly afterwards, I get highly agitated. So I'll sit there and I'm like, why is this person making me angry? This is my friend. I like them. They're being nice. 
And I just learned to take note of that anger as that's my immune system, my energetic immune system, like the white blood cells activating. And inevitably, like in one case, it was someone I had brought into my practice. He taught Reiki, did attunements. My clients wanted that. And I had this feeling about what was going on with him and just the vibe I was getting. And I reached out to some of the ones who went to his level one. They were like, oh yeah, no, he spent two hours on QAnon and how Trump was Jesus. And like this whole thing, I was like, okay, there it is. JFK Jr. is coming back, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good instinct. And I'm thoroughly convinced, you know, QAnon was a cult, even though it was online. And I think all of them have entities that attach, that operate through even this portal, this little black mirror, we call a computer. So just keeping track of that. And he was someone, he never gave me those vibes until he did. Mm. I have other clients where they get nauseous. Um, I have a client who's a breathwork practitioner and she'll start to feel suffocated in the presence of someone who's very negative. Each time it's happened, she found out that he was a sex offender so that, you know, she's like, it is a good canary in the coal mine. Get out. Her whole body's like, nope, 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 out, out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it varies, but just tuning into think through your life. When did you get a very specific vibe? What did it feel like? What thoughts were you having? And maybe even just workbook that on a couple pieces of paper and go in each of these cases, what was the theme in common? Like, what did I learn afterwards? What did this person turn out to be really? Um, and you'll start to build your confidence in your intuition. It takes time. Yeah. Like it's noticing those patterns. Like you might not yeah. notice the first time or the second time or the third time, but it's going to keep yeah. happening until you pay attention to it. Yeah. Or I would just get a horrible feeling about someone in corporate, right. Who's yeah. never done anything to me and I couldn't place it. I, I would do the sort of psychoanalysis. Cause I've been in plenty of therapy. I love therapy yeah. where I'm like, yeah, this person's triggering me. Do they remind me of my father? What is this? And then a few months later we find out arrested for child pornography. That's what it was. You know, and you're not going to see that. They're not going to lead with that. You're in a work setting. So your right. intuition's doing its job. It just takes a minute. Right. Oh, it's, I mean, it is our intuition. It's, we do have this like internal guidepost that we are just so disconnected yeah. from. So, and that kind of leads me into, you know, the, the spiritual ROI, right? Like by, by tuning in, like, what do we get in return? Um, so much. So for me, it's the most applicable with business. I still do some freelance consulting for corporations, mainly because CEOs, there's a lot of diaspora right now and a lot of startups and they want help. Now I had started a project about a month ago. I had a, every time I thought about the project, even before I'd learned anything about it, my whole body would get tense. So somatically there was tension in my body, right? Week one, it was just pure chaos. I've never seen anything more over-engineered. It was making me crazy. And it was starting to eat away at Totem and what I needed to be doing. So I pulled the plug. I said, I'm out. Um, I can't deliver value this way. And within 24 hours of making that decision, which was an uncomfortable conversation with a chief marketing officer, I got six other new opportunities for Totem. So the minute you say no to something and you sort of trust in the abundant beast of the universe, the universe will affirmatively reward you. It's almost like your spirit guides are training you like you train a dog, like good, Rachel, treat, good, Rachel, treat (laughs) Um, that positive reinforcement and condition you to to listen. Yes. (laughs) And so the more you do it, the more confidence you have in like, you know, this isn't a good fit for me and I'm going to just keep it moving. And I've really discovered as a business owner and as a psychic, I need the energy of my day to flow like water. I need it to feel light. 
I can't get mired. You know, life is life and being an adult is being an adult. So there's responsibility things, right? It's not perfect. But I'm just my most productive. I show up the best in those, those scenarios. And the other thing is I pull cards for work for business decisions mm-hmm. and where I think other people get into scarcity and, and like the, the monkey brain stuff about situations, mm-hmm. you can pull a couple cards and you go, okay, it's not so bad. And tarot, by the way, has never let me down. So we just have a very good relationship, tarot decks and I, and I go, all right, buddy, what am I looking at here? Um, <laughs> and it, it guides you. And it, it also shows you things are not nearly as scary as you as, thought they were. As your brain. Yeah. Yeah it just it does it helps you like surrender and just like trust yeah because the the great thing about psychic stuff is you learn we don't see the good stuff coming sometimes that's the whole thing about it being in the future Mm -hmm. so if you trust yourself more and you create space in your life for the good things that are coming it just gets better and better yeah yeah It, it does it's better it's any time that I've done that, which is the majority of my life, or at least my adult life, it always works out so much better than I could ever imagine. Like I think back to um, like right before I had Ellie, so it was like five months ago, like whatever, that doesn't matter. Um, I, there was a lot of fear. Like I was a lot of fear about birth. I was like, I, I had done a lot of work of like working past the fear. Cause I understand what that creates in my body with like giving birth naturally, all the things, but I was still, there was a lot of uncertainty. I kept reading things about stillbirth, which like talk about low energy. Like I just, yeah. ah, self-inflicted. Right. Um, but something so incredible happened. I um, was talking to a gal and she just pulled one card for me. Like we were kind of doing like a test run for one of our retreats and she pulls this card and it's an angel and is, um, has blonde hair. And just to back up a little bit, my husband's, um, mom passed away right when we started dating and I've like, she's kind of just become this like spiritual person, like, like the spirit, my spirit guide in my life. And, um, our daughter's actually named after her and I get this card and I look at it and I'm like studying it and I'm like looking at the flowing water. And then I look up who the archangel is and it's the angel of joy. And Brian's mom's name is joy. I love that so much. And I literally just start bawling. Like just, I, I, it was like this uncontrollable feeling of feeling safe. I was like, I'm okay. Like it was joy's way of being like, you have nothing to worry about. Like I'm here with you. And in this way, spirituality is a real anecdote to what our nervous system is wired to do. We have a negativity based like bias to keep us alive. Saber toothed tigers, you know, big grizzly bears. We were in that world for the bulk of human evolution and development, mm-hmm. right? So your nervous system fixating on the negative is just doing its job. It's right. preparing you Protecting, for the worst case scenario. Like, right, Yeah. exactly. And so it was nice. Into, yeah, moving into spirit, you go, okay, here's another point of view. Here's another piece of data. Mm-hmm. And it levels that out. It does that for me too, where I go, all right, I was kind of spiraling and mm-hmm. this is good. Allowing yeah. for a good piece of news. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and that's just one tiny example. There's been so many other ones, but it was, it was so, I felt so safe and I had the most incredible birthing experience. Like, I'm which so you don't, you don't have people talk about that. You only hear about the terrible birthing experiences. And mine was incredible. Like it was fucking crazy, but it was incredible. And I know that it was because I found that safety 
for spirit. Like I felt yeah. so supported in the unseen and I, I just, you know, it's like, so it's so palpable. And, and my husband who is like the polar opposite of me, where he's the yin and yang, even he, like, he is the definition of skeptical, but then he leans into it because he sees these things happening and unfolding. And he's like, I can't deny it. And I know a part of him loves that. Like, I feel so connected. I only met his mom once, but I know her so well, like, and I, and it's like so powerful. And I know that that means so much to him because I didn't get to know her on like the human, this, this earth level, but I know her on a spiritual level. And I, for that, I'm just like, so, so grateful for, um, so, you know, I think like going back to that question with like spiritual ROI, if someone is listening Mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, like, maybe there is something to this. How do you dip your toes in? Like, how do you, like when you, how do you develop this like spiritual curiosity without feeling like you're getting like sucked in or you're joining a cult? Yeah. Well, the big (laughs) thing is, is tuning in to what your body and your energy body tell you. So you trust yourself, you know, you go, listen, I can go dip my toe in everywhere. I can go to a Kundalini yoga studio. I can go to that coaching program seminar, whatever this is. And I trust myself that if I get that vibe, I'm just going to walk. Like that's a promise you make to yourself. I call it the promising yourself, the the ability, the privilege, the right to change your mind as Mm -hmm. and when you need to without Mm -hmm. explaining it to yourself, right? Like just roll with it. Just like in dating, like you don't have to explain why you don't like them. Just break up with them. It's okay. There's probably a reason. Um, In terms of like the affirming things to do for beginners, I like tarot cards. Carl Jung liked tarot cards. I went and saw Jordan Peterson live recently. He likes tarot cards. It's a, it's a tool within much of clinical psychology, all, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Pulling one card in the morning, looking at it, going about your day. Then as you come home, either before or after dinner, looking at the card again and reading, you know, there's usually a little booklet, like my deck has a little booklet, what, what that card symbolizes in meditating, thinking on how that may have manifested in your day. Mm-hmm. You build a language with the cards. Like every time I get the ace of coins, I go, I'm going to get an opportunity for like business development. Like some, even back in the day before I did shamanism, it was like, I'm going to get a job offer or promotion. That's the ace of coins for me, full stop. Right. And you just know that when it pops up, um, the other big tool that I'm a huge believer in, and I, I used to be, I used to think these were nonsense, hippie tinctures is flower essences. Mm-hmm. I had a friend give me Bach rescue remedy, which you can get at Whole Foods. It's super mainstream. And after about two weeks of taking it, I would go outside and I would see like the life force of leaves and trees, mm-hmm. like they were luminescent. And I'm, I was like, something's happening here. So I stopped taking it. And at about the one week mark, that went away. And so mm-hmm. I go, okay, this is the flower essence doing this for me. It'll manifest differently for everybody, but I'm making them right now. My husband's a chef. So we physically hand make them together. We grow everything from seed organically in our own garden. We've got closets full of jars. It looks like something out of Harry Potter, like you're <laughs> at Hogwarts. It's so funny. But these little guys, when I take them, they work. And I had a bunch of friends and clients beta test them last year. And as is typical for me, it only occurred to me that I could take them and try them by like December. And I did. And each time I've taken the mint one, which I call newly minted, second day of taking it, I get bombarded with offers for work, primarily from corporations. Mm. And so I had to put it away because I was mindlessly kind of putting it in my water for the day like I do. And I was like, I can't have more of this. I'm at capacity. Mm. It works so well that it's like, it's like witchcraft. (laughs) I called my husband. I was like, I think I did accidental witchcraft. And he was like, well, yeah, you're a shaman. I'm like, yeah, but not like that. Like, I'm always so quick to dismiss. I'm like, not like that. I didn't do a spell or something. And he was like, 
Yeah, I don't think that's how that works. Wow. So I, and it's so amazing like that you just keep like creating these, like the, the tarot cards and now the flower essence and like how that just keeps evolving. And I mean, I want, I'm excited. We were talking about before we hit record. I'm like, I want to try the flower essence. Absolutely. Email me your address. I'll send you a few. Um, and I love the feedback. I love it. Cause I'll have one idea of what it does and it kind of does that, but then it'll do something super specific and like four people. Different. Lavender, for instance, I had to warn people, take lavender before bed. You're going to fall asleep. Yeah. 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 Oh, that is, it's so amazing. So that is kind of your new project that you've been working on. And, yeah, and I did it because of lockdown. I wanted a garden. I wanted to touch the earth in Chicago. We weren't even allowed to go to parks, public yeah. parks were, you know, we were disallowed from entering them and I'm an outside person. And so for me, we had a private roof deck balcony and I had a meditation center with a roof deck. We just turned them into gardens. And then because I'm me, I couldn't just enjoy a hobby. I had to try and turn it into something. (laughs) So that's what we did. And now I'm making 80 different ones. So my challenge with scope and scale continues. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I, my last question, cause we, we kind of touched on this before we were um, recording, but you know, we were talking about like vision board and full moon rituals and like, we're recording yeah. this right after the Sagittarius full moon. Um, I want to touch on abundance. Like what is, what, how would you define real abundance? Cause um, we hear this uh, word yeah. a lot. I hear it a lot. And people are like, I want to be abundant. I'm like, well, what does that actually mean to you? So I'm curious, like what real abundance means to you? There's a lot of culty stuff on TikTok and Instagram around abundance. So heads up, everybody. Um, these people that charge exorbitant amounts of money to get together in a group remotely on Zoom or something and do abundance prayers together. I don't trust it very much. I don't think I think someone's being abundant. I think it's the owner of the program. But in in layman's terms, abundance is real, abundance energy is real. I think of it as an umbilical cord that connects us to source. It's constantly there. The universe really is infinite. Now we're not infinite. We're confined in 3D time space. So we get tired. We run out of money, all that stuff. But if you can connect to it, it really works. And the way I specifically do it for myself and I recommend for clients is kind of the feng shui Chinese medicine way, which is abundance is water to them. It's the water element and it has to flow its path of least resistance. It doesn't go uphill. It doesn't fight anything. It just moves. And the other key with water is is you don't want it stagnating. You want it in flow. You want churn. You know, you want the chi moving around. Mm -hmm. So for me, if if something feels really hard and like it's just not coming together, I just let it go. I just let things, I just don't white knuckle stuff because inevitably something else comes in its place. Mm -hmm. Um, If things feel like they're stagnating for me in my health or my business, usually abundance is every area of your life, Mm -hmm. time, money, et cetera. So if you're scarce in one, you're generally scarce in the others. I'll empty a room of my house. I'll clean. I get rid of things. I donate things, moving objects and releasing them tells the universe that you have confidence. You're going to be able to buy another pair of shoes or another book if you need to. It's Mm. not clinging to the old. It sends an energetic message. And I love full moon stuff. I think it's a little, it's a little like tired at this point. There's a lot of chicks who get together and pull an Oracle card and have a Chardonnay. It's like not my scene. (laughs) Um, But yesterday I write down on the full moon. I thank my guides for what they've given me. So I acknowledge what they're helping me with. And then I ask them for very um, tactical human scale help in certain areas. And I explain what I'm going to do with that and how I view that as contributing to the greater good. And I write that to myself. I leave it 
on an altar, I have, we have a big statue of Kalima. It's like a little intense when people come over, they're like, is she holding skulls? I'm like, yeah, that's our, <laughs> that's our friend, it's our mascot. But in, in the next month on the next full moon, which is gonna be in Capricorn, I open it and I read it. And it's remarkable how much of that you have gotten done and already forgotten about. Cause you're always on to the next thing. Right. And you go, wow, that really came together for me. Thank you. It's a way of building gratitude yeah. and, and belief in self. I got that done. Yeah. I love that. And it's one of my practices too, with like being grateful for the things that I don't have yet and being grateful for the things that I once really wanted that I didn't have that I have now. Like, I don't want to ever lose sight of that. Cause it is so easy to get you know, very like focused on like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And it's like, wait a second, like everything that you ever wanted, you have now let's be with that and be grateful. And in that space, you know, before yeah. we're like moving, moving on. I um, see a lot I- of clients who make a lot of money, who are, you know, really big on Instagram, live a very apparently glamorous life and they don't feel abundant. If they're being honest and they're being vulnerable. So the other thing I would suggest is just because you see something on social media, doesn't mean it's real. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean it's the whole picture and abundance or a lifestyle or any of those words, whatever that is, it's something you really have to cultivate for yourself mm-hmm. internally and build that up so that regardless of what externally shifts or changes, you have that it's, it's that umbilical cord that no one else can cut. Like I'm good. Mm-hmm. I've got this. I've got this no matter what anybody says, how many likes or comments I get, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I'm such a visual person. And as you're talking about this, like abundance umbilical cord to the source, I'm just imagining like this golden light that's like lifting up. And like, that's exactly how I imagine it. Cause like, that's when I'm in that, like that space, that's what it feels like. It just feels very like golden. It feels very bright and like, very, um, like open, like open to receive when I'm feeling abundant. And I've noticed, I like this happened to me yesterday. Um, I, they they forgot to give me an iced tea or whatever. He's like, Oh, this one's on me. Like it's free. And I was like, Oh, like, that's so nice. I was like, I'm going to tip them. And I like only had like larger bills and I could feel myself being like, (laughs) like closed off. And I was like that, like, no, Brittany. And I like turn, I opened literally like opened back up and like tipped him, um, with a $20 bill because I was like, I could feel myself being like, no, I need to save that. And I was like, that's not an abundant mindset. That's not like being in a space of abundant. And it's so crazy how like, you can just feel it. Like you just feel like constricted instead of open, which closes off in Kabbalah terms, constriction closes off your vessel. Yeah. So you can't receive receive when you're in a constrictive scarce place. A hundred percent. You had a great intuition. It's funny. You said that on full moons, I think about who I'm going to give gifts to. And I like sending things physically in the mail. I yeah. think it's, we want that to come back. Totally. And I realized, you know, I launched a new paid sub stack and I really work on it all month. I'm, I'm a professional writer as well. I freelance and things like that. And I had 10 people sign up as paid subscribers. And I said, you know what? I'm going to send them all a flower essence. So I sent them an email yesterday. I said, can I have your mailing address? I want to send you a gift. And they're like, oh, is this a part of a promotion? Did I win? I said, no, no, no. I just decided. Like, yeah. You know, it's not quid pro quo. I just... You gave me something because yeah. writing those brings me joy. I want to give you a little joy. I want them to open a box yeah. and get something that someone handmade. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to send them a flower essence. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I didn't even, I guess I was tapping into that intuition because yes. I, 
randomly sent a, a book to my sister-in-law who just had a baby um, 10 weeks uh, after Ellie. And I sent a book to her yesterday from Ellie. So we were already tapped into that. I didn't even realize. Love that. When I you love that do part. that, you make such a huge difference in the world. You'll yeah. never see it maybe the way yeah. we think we will, but yeah. I promise you it, it absolutely like little acts of kindness, generosity, just being thoughtful. There's so little of it now. Everyone's so obsessed with productivity and efficiency. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that human like element, that little variable that we have yeah. that I think the magic lives in. Yeah, I agree. Oh my gosh, Rachel, this was amazing. It was so much fun talking to you. I definitely will link um, in the show notes, the totem tarot deck and the flower essence. uh, Thank you. To find them. Is there any other place that if they want to learn more, like where they can find you? Well, I officially do stuff on Instagram, despite every Tuesday night, I do an Instagram live and I, I do them with interesting people. Cause my rule is if I'm going to do it, I want it to be an interesting organic conversation for me. So yes. every Tuesday night at seven o'clock central, I talk to somebody, I ask some questions I want to know the answers to. So totem rage on Instagram. Um, I think it's fun. I don't post anything that's branded. So it's pretty, it's a little too real. Maybe. And yeah. no, that's what we need. We need more of that. That's so great. Yes. Yeah. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes as well. Is there anything else, any other things that people can, can, it sounds like you're a writer. I mean, I'm listening to you. I'm like, you were like the yeah. Jill of all trades. Like what can't like you doing do stuff? Yeah. You know, it, it soothes me. And also for me having left corporate, you know, full-time just a few years ago. So I was building totem on the side of that embracing and like embracing things that integrate all of me writer shaman for instance where they're not bifurcated they're not disassociated for each other brings me so much joy so in a way it feels like I'm really living authentically every day a little bit more yeah um and and hence being busy you know you get excited with the possibility of this now that you've given yourself permission to Mm -hmm. be who you are in the world now you want to do it I can't wait yeah. yeah. You can't turn away. Like once you open up to it, it's like, you can't go back. Like you can't yeah. go back to that. Uh, I'm so glad you brought up joy and like the things that light you up because that's kind of been my closing question lately because joy, um, fun is a value of mine. My daughter's middle name is joy. Like joy is just a part of my life. And I work with my clients on this. It's like, what do you do just for you? Like what lights you up because I think when we're more in tuned with like what brings us joy, the more that we can give in the world. So I'm curious, like, I know, like, it sounds like creation is something that brings you joy, but is there something that you haven't talked about that lights you up or brings you joy? Totally. And it it completely fills my little gas tank up with energy. I wrote about it for the paid Substack for this past Sag full moon. I love comedy the more inappropriate, acerbic, dark, the better. It's cathartic for me. It feels like someone's just poking a taboo. So now that we live in Austin, there's so much live comedy here. I mean, yeah. Roseanne Barr went up on stage here the other night yeah. and didn't announce it or anything. And just feeling naughty, putting your phone in a yonder bag so it doesn't ring and you're not looking at it and just being there for comedy. Uh, as a kid, I, I loved like George Carlin, Andrew Dice Clay. I did Dice Clay's stand-up at my Catholic school for the talent show and I didn't know any of it was dirty. I had no context for it. The nuns were so upset. And I just think comedians are like these sacred clowns that we have. 
You know, they punch up. If they're doing their job properly, they're punching up, they're poking at and looking at things we should all look at. But in a way where you feel good, you get that dopamine, serotonin hit. You're not doing a drug. It's just laughter. The most most natural, the most natural high. Well, it is funny because one of your Yelp reviews, they did say that you are the Amy Schumer of um, shamanic practitioners, which after spending time with you, I couldn't agree more. So thank you for bringing like humor and light to these topics, because it is fun to like, to like bring lightheartedness to it. Like, I know I, I, I think that's probably why, like, I really connected with you before we even had an opportunity to talk. Um, I, one of my values is fun. So I, that's what I bring into my coaching. I'm like this deep work, it can feel really heavy, but we can also have fun in the process. Like I truly believe if we're not having a little bit of fun, what's the point? What is the point? And also every time I find myself getting all rigid, as you said, constricting, and I find I'm taking myself a little too seriously. Yeah. It's a sign something's off. Something's wrong. I'm out of balance. You know, none of this, I'm not a heart surgeon, really. Like getting back into the fun of it and just living sometimes. Life is meant to be lived. Yeah. It's it's meant to be enjoyed uh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like if I'm not having fun, I'm like, what am I doing? Like I can feel so misaligned with my values. I'm like, that's my like North star. So it's like, how do I bring fun into it? So I appreciate that humor is like the thing that, that lights you up. Uh, I do. I really, I miss going to comedy shows. Like there is nothing better than sitting at a comedy show. Your face hurts. Your stomach hurts. Like it just feels so good. You leave those experiences on a high, like there is nothing, nothing like it. So I, I agree so much. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you. What you're doing is awesome. I'm so excited for my clients to hear about this podcast and meet you and everybody needs a little more joy. Thank you. Thank you.